0: Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about these things you can't afford to neglect about uh, 401k plans, Uh, plan sponsors do, and uh, part of my job is to kind of point these things out. But of course, first things first, uh, go to that 401ksite.com for further information on all our live events. Arlington, Texas, uh, we'll be there, Globe Life Field, I believe it's called, Uh, new stadium, uh, fairly new stadium to me, you know. I think 2020 is when they opened. A uh, fairly new stadium across the street from AT&T Stadium. We were there AT&T in 2019. Glad to be back in 2024. Uh, Yankee Stadium, June 7th. Uh, the sponsorship, uh, quite, uh, you know, I'm just really happy with the response that we got in Yankee Stadium. It should be a lot of fun, uh, which reminds me I got to get on Yankee Stadium's case about uh, signing contracts and paying their deposit and all that kind of stuff. They're kind of uh, lax with that stuff. Uh, And, of course, uh, football season's over. That means spring training is just around the corner. And uh, we like that uh, just because spring is around the corner. Um, We can forget about Taylor Swift for a moment uh, and move on to uh, other things. And, uh, you know, looking forward uh, before spring, I'm going to uh, just – Upcoming weekend, going to MetLife Stadium to see the uh, Stadium Series game, Rangers Islanders. So sh- that should be a lot of fun. You got a football stadium to watch a hockey game, kind of like that idea. Um, but of course, like I said, go to that4ksite.com, hundred bucks gets you in. Uh, we'll see what we're going to do with tickets. Uh, I know Texas is, um, you know, Thursday afternoon game. We got a Friday event. You know uh, the. Uh, Usual suspects who attend our events, uh, just hit me up for a game ticket uh, for Yankee Stadium. We'll see what we're going to do in terms of, you know, maybe, um, you know, charging people to attend. I mean, it is a Dodger game, so it can be cost prohibitively. We'll see where we're going to go with that. Um, and, you know, let's face it, a lot of these games and buying tickets, people there from '92 they don't want to stay for a 7 o'clock game. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Um in terms of neglecting things, uh, I always think about health. I'm—I wouldn't say I'm a health freak because uh, I don't exercise. It's just not something i, I like to do. But um, you know, eating healthy and trying to avoid certain foods and maintaining a decent cholesterol and you know, staying away. Again, I don't—I don't. Aside from pizza, I don't do dairy anymore. Um, meat, you know, you gotta cut back on that. Uh, did a... One of those calcium artery checks for me last year, I have no blockage whatsoever, which is great. Cholesterols in the 190s. that's okay. It could always be better. But you know, I come from a uh, you know, our generation and generation X and older. you know, we learn things from the younger, uh, older generation. I mean, in the 1940s, people were dropping dead, and uh, people were claiming it was indigestion because they didn't know what heart disease was. And uh, that's really the case. Um, you know, the more we know now in science, we know uh, about uh, professional football and CTE, and professional wrestling and CTE, and uh, concussions. And you know, Steve McMichael uh, has ALS. He was elected to the Hall of Fame, and he's he's near death, and probably lived, had the will to live to to see himself get elected to National Football Hall of Fame. ALS, there's a high uh, rate of ALS in professional football players. So it would not be surprising, you know, that that's related to CTE. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, what we what we know now compared to what people knew 50, 60 years ago. Uh, it's astonishing. Um, so a friend of mine on Facebook posted like a picture of Edith Bunker and Archie from All in the Family. And we have all the ideas that, you know, they were old it was a picture of, like, I think Edith was, you know, Gene Stapleton was 45, and Carol O'Connor was 47. And, uh, it just reminds me of that generation. I'm I'm older than that, and I look younger than that. Uh, I just saw somebody for the first time, it was interesting, somebody who cut my kid's hair when they were little, I was cutting my daughter's hair just now, my daughter's now 17, and she saw me and she said, oh, you look the same. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, i got some more gray hair, um. And, uh, you know, you age better. Uh, Carol O'Connor was the type of guy who looked like he was 75 for about 30 years. My grandmother, may she rest in peace, actually both grandmothers, they looked a certain age in their late 40s, and they kind of looked the same way for the next 20 years. You know, wrinkles here and there. But, you know, even like something like smoking. Uh, people who smoked or was around smoke had, like, a smoker's face and, smoking voices and and all that kind of stuff and we age better uh we take better care of ourselves and and it shows and you know uh a 401k plan is like health you can't afford to neglect it especially if you're a plan sponsor and certain ways where you know plan sponsors certainly neglect their tasks and obviously fee disclosure uh you know was really at the you know top of the list because, you know, we live now in an environment where we have fee disclosure. Uh, it's going to be 12 years this June. Uh, it was a kind of weird time prior to 2012 where plan sponsors had a fiduciary duty to pay only reasonable plan expenses, but there wasn't any requirement for TPAs or financial advisors to say how much they were making on the plan. And, you know, the, the, the story, you know, I, I was very adamant about it back in those days is that I just thought that revenue sharing was just some kind of, I wouldn't say Ponzi scheme, but, but, but a scam um, because uh, the plan sponsors didn't know that administrators were making money uh, from administration by pushing certain funds. Because I lived in an environment in the former K-plan business where you know plan sponsors who were interested in index funds or ETFs, they were told that it was too expensive, um, which was funny because if you think about it, all in, even with no revenue sharing and, and whatnot, you still were cheaper uh, than a lot of these actively managed funds. Because active managed funds back in those days, you know, you could have actively managed funds that were charging two hundred basis points. Um, and fee disclosure obviously changed that. All in plans have to know, and, and plan providers have to tell. Uh, you know the direct and indirect payments that they're receiving uh, in working on the plan. And you know it was just it was just doling out money. You know 12b-1 fees. You know this is how a broker got paid, and, and it was just it's just such a murky uh, type of way of doing business, and. You know, I, people like James Holland and I, back in 2010 when we were talking about this stuff, we were told that we were, you know, like rabble-rousers, that, uh, you know, you're, we were selling fear, that planned sponsors weren't being sued. Um, but it was all about... We believed that if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to hide. Uh, there's nothing wrong with transparency. The beauty of, like, for example, you know, I... I I have a attorney that I know. Uh, they still work at the law firm, and uh, they just feel that this billing by the hour is just really a scam because you know they'll they'll see uh, fellow attorneys show up at work and partners in the firm show up at nine, way later than they show up. They show up around seven, um, stay around the same time she does. Uh, she does until like five o'clock or whatever it is, and. Uh, she's like, there's no way that they're billing correctly. Uh, they're fudging, and that's why I like flat fee billing. You see what you you know you get you get what you get, um, and there's no shock. So when a plan sponsor knows that you know a, a plan amendment is you know 350 bucks up front or a plan documents 2,000 2,500 dollars, they know up front and it's never going to cost more than that. So plan sponsors. Now they get fee disclosures, and most of them put it in the garbage or in the back of the drawer. And they don't go out and, you know, look at the 401k averages book. They don't benchmark their fees. And it's all about fiduciary duty. And if you're not doing your job, you're not doing your job. There have been, you know, quite a few plan sponsors out there who have been sued. And there have been some small plans that get sued. It's not going to happen very often because most ERISA litigators want to make money. You really can't make money by selling a five million dollar plan. Another task that plan sponsors forget about is the annual valuation reports. Um, it's funny. Lately, I've been dealing with one large CPA there in the mutual fund business, and I've had plan audits. And when I ask for an annual valuation report, they they think I'm talking a different language. But an annual valuation report. Uh, in my sense, working somebody who worked, you know, at the home of a TPA for 10 years, uh, an annual valuation report is your ADP, ACP, top heavy, uh, basically a census, uh, salaries, all that kind of stuff. That's the valuation, and then, you know, plan specs. And you're supposed to get it every year. And, uh, um, you know, uh, plant sponsors really don't review it, which is a problem because sometimes there are mistakes in there, especially. HC or uh, key employee uh, determinations. So many mistakes, um, you know, happen with plan administration and compliance testing. Um, eligibility could be wrong, comp could be wrong, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's important that plan sponsors review these reports because uh, otherwise, you have a screw up, and you have to pay to fix it. It's not cheap, um, you know, if they're an ADP failure, and you discover it two years later, uh, the idea of refunding it is out the window. It's You're out of luck. Uh, And uh, I'll curse for a minute just to say a quote from the movie The Deadpool, probably the best quote in the movie The Deadpool. You're shit out of luck. Um, And, you know, if you screw up on your testing and discovered two years later, refunds aren't going to happen. You're going to have to make a neck QNIC, and QNICs could really be prohibitively expensive. Uh, the old days of bottom-up and just knocking one or two people up to a certain level and give them like a $10,000 QNIC, uh, those days are kind of over. You can't target it as much as you used to. Um, obviously, evaluation reports got to be reviewed uh, if you're a plan sponsor, you can't do it yourself because you don't have that knowledge. you know, Obviously, there's ERISA attorneys out there. There are financial advisors out there. Uh, there are people who do that. Uh, so that's why it's really important for an ERISA attorney to uh, review that stuff or you know, an independent retirement plan expert. Next, not reviewing salary deferrals. Uh, the whole procedure, the whole shebang. Um, the most frequent plan error out there, I will always say, is missed deferrals. And, you know, again, plant sponsors, there are plant sponsors, and they're actually plant providers. I, I had a TPA client, fairly new one, and I had to tell them that 15th day of the following month isn't good anymore. It hasn't been good for a very, very long time. Um, we used to live by that, you know, DOL guideline, that reg. Uh, plant sponsors have up until the 15th day of the following month to deposit sell deferrals. That changed thanks to the technology. ACH uh, is such an easy uh, deal. Uh, and the uh, DOL reinterpreted the rule, so it's as soon as possible. Uh, plan sponsors can't afford to live or make money off the float, as I always say, by putting the money, accruing interest, and then depositing the 401k plan. It's, it's participants' money. Um, there's you know no reason why it can't be in. And I, I will always talk to story. the story, the most miserable person I ever worked for wasn't the managing attorney at the Law Firm. It was uh, the guy running day-to-day at this TPA that I was working at. And, uh, you know, I will always say about him, he was the, he, he was not the majority owner. He was a very small minority owner, but he ran the place like he did own it. And he would have, even in the days of ACH, you know, ACH has been going on, you know, the, you know you're doing ACH transactions for mutual funds 20-some-odd years ago, but, you know, uh, 16, 17 years ago, even with ACH, he demanded that plan sponsors send him checks... To uh, through FedEx, so he'd have like a pile of these FedEx envelopes with checks that should have gone to Schwab or Fidelity or Matrix or Nationwide, and uh, he had to review everything. He was like the KGB. <laughs> he had to go through my mail, uh, and he would like intercept my mail. Um, so if there was an IRS questioning, whatever, uh, he would uh, he would take it directly to me. He'd go to his other partner and whatnot, and that was always a lot of fun. Thanks to, you know, ACH and the internet, uh, Manny doesn't, you know, Manny's not in the 4 k business anymore, um, thanks to a certain person. But uh, you, um, you know, you, you don't need to send checks to your TPA. There's no reason for it. And the money should get in as soon as possible. Um, and the problem with being late with side deferrals is that it never happens just one time. It happens multiple times. It's like with me parking at Stony Brook. I lived at a dorm, and behind, directly behind my dorm was another dorm. It was a, it w- was a uh, graduate dorm, and it was an easier walk, and I would park there. And if I didn't wake up early enough to park there, I would get a parking ticket. So I didn't get one parking ticket a year. I'd get like five or six, and then eventually I learned my lesson and parked by the Kelly Quad uh, true parking lot and, 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 and walk up and, and whatnot. And uh, so it's the same way, you know, with me, with my Kelly uh, my Kelly parking tickets, late style deferral deposits happen more than once. Um, there really needs to be procedure to make sure that it doesn't happen often. Work with HR, uh, whoever is HR or whatnot. Uh, if they're one person in charge of uh, depositing style deferrals and they get hit by a bus or they're out of work for a, a, a period of time, get someone else to do it. Um, there has to be really a system of you know checks and balances out there to ensure that the most basic task of form K plans, which is the positive side deferrals, is made consistently and on time. It's a routine task, and it's it's a dumb mistake. Uh, there's no reason for it. It's not your money; it's their money, and it should go in as soon as possible. Another mistake: plan sponsors obviously neglect not revealing you know plan investments. Uh, can't really stop meeting the financial advisor. You're paying them. Uh, you need a process uh, in selecting and replacing funds. You need a financial advisor. Um, you know there are too many uh, plan sponsors out there who who don't want to you know don't want to have an enrollment meeting. They don't want to have meetings with their advisor, and they push it off. The plans where I'm, you know, serving as a three sixteen administrator or as an attorney, uh, we have frequent meetings. We have it always on time. We have it every quarter. Um, I never understand why plan sponsors always try to avoid meeting their financial advisor, especially when you have financial advisors this, this day and age who are really on the ball, um, as opposed to twenty five years ago where you'd have these guys, you know. Uh, Barney Fife advisors with one plan and they just wanted to collect a fee and not do any work. We have financial advisors out there who are are getting paid less money to do more work as opposed to their counterparts about 25 years ago. So plan sponsors just can't afford to blow off uh, reviewing investments. They can't blow off having enrollment meetings. Uh, Enrollment meetings, again, I think that that's part of the process that plan sponsors give short shrift to. And it's actually, I think, the most important part because ERISA 404-C protects liability for plan sponsors for losses sustained by plan participants in their own investments. And if you don't have education meetings and you don't provide them with enough information on them to make informed investment decisions, then you run the risk of being liable. And, you know, again, people will say that, you know, folks like James Holland and I were selling fear. But, you know... Employees can be, and uh, former employees can be litigious. Um, I just, <laughs> my wife told me this story, which, which is speaking about football and all that. Uh, they have a fantasy football league at, at work, and uh, she was telling me about the story. One of the associates uh, left there, uh, went to another firm. And I think he got fired uh, by the firm that my wife works at because there was a football fantasy league and he refused to pay what he owed because of the workplace environment. He was so upset at the former employer that he took it uh, out on the former employee, uh, his former coworkers, and welched on the fantasy football league. Uh, that's, That's really a problem. And that reminds me of employees that, you know, they get terminated or leave and they're kind of vengeful. I know I, I used to be, I wouldn't say I was that vengeful, uh, not about the 401k plan, but, uh, you know, unhappy former employees, uh, are, uh, bigger adversaries than happy former employees. So, uh, you know, I, I think I've told the story on the podcast so many times. And again, we worked at the, this TPA, um, And there was, you know, a fob key activation at the front door. And uh, it would open up for those who were working on the weekends. And we had this uh, Shomer Shabbos administrator. Uh, And I have a Hebrew school education, Hebrew day school education. So I know a thing or two, about a thing or two. So anyway, uh, you know, he wasn't working Friday nights. He wasn't working uh, Saturdays. He certainly wasn't working uh, all the major holidays that you take off for. Uh, And the problem was, you know, you have to make up that work. You know, that's how it is. You got to do the job. And he claimed that he was there on Sundays doing work. And the problem was the fob key has a timeline. It shows who activates it, and he wasn't where he said he was, and he claimed the door was open and this, this, and, that, and he was lying. Anyway, he was terminated, and he sued for religious discrimination. The two owners of the company were Jewish. Uh, and when I say they were Jewish, they were very Jewish. Uh, as Larry David would say in the pal- episode Palestinian Chicken, they were big Jews. They weren't Shomer Shabbos. But uh, anyway, he sued, and he got a quick $6,000 settlement because they just wanted him to go away. And I've always alleged that if you have a former employee and they want to get back at you and they want to make a quick settlement, they could certainly sue you um, one-on-one about your 401k plan and just hope for a quick settlement. Uh, They're not going to get a million dollars, but they're going to get enough shekels to go away. Um, And uh, that's the problem. And I think that that's ERISA 404-C is where plan sponsors could certainly fall into a giant landmine uh, as we, we we think about liability pitfalls. So that's why I think it's really, really important for that former employee who wants a quick, what I call a smash and grab lawsuit, which is like, I'll see you. I want a quick settlement and I'll leave. A nuisance value. Uh, ERISA 404-C plans that uh, don't comply with enrollment meetings and education and all that kind of stuff is, is a potential pitfall to get sued quickly by a uh, aggrieved former employee. Last but not least, not keeping good records. Um, you see it all the time. Uh, plan sponsors can be very poor in keeping plan records. They're missing a restatement. They're missing an amendment. IRS has a view. If we don't have uh, – if you don't have a copy of it, it never happens. I just – dealing with a client, TPA, uh, went out of business or whatever it is or there's something going on. It, it's involved. It's involved with a law firm in California and uh, they were sued and this. There's something going on over there. They don't have copies of their documents. I had to restate their plain documents late – didn't apply for the V C P yet, but we will. But uh, you know, IRS, if they ever ordered it, would be under the view that uh they uh they don't uh you know, they don't have it. That's the attitude of the I, uh, the IRS. You don't have it, we don't have it. So that's that. Um and uh it's important to keep good records, you know, again former participants will get this thing from Social Security. I have an account balance that says I have a couple thousand dollars. No, guy, we paid you out 20 years ago and, and here are the records. And, um, it's just amazing that plan sponsors don't keep good records, and that's just a big, big task that they can't afford to neglect. So that's this with this episode of That 4 K Podcast. Tune in for another uh, fun-filled episode of That 4 K Podcast. Go to that 4 com. Sign up for uh, Arlington, Texas. Sign up for uh, New York, Bronx, New York, the Bronx, New York, um, and and all that kind of stuff. And tune in next week and uh, take it from there. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Bye.